This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. You find yourself at episode number 159. I'm Eric Branson, and with me as always, my friend and co-host, Ryan Stiskel. How's it going, Ryan? I, I, I'm doing, I'm doing better than some. <laughs> better than some. I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had a week, that's for sure. You but, have had quite the week. <laughs> yeah, so, uh. Yeah, I'm broadcasting live, or recording live, I love to say that, like live on tape, no, um, <laughs> but yeah, recording today from uh, isolation because I got COVID, um, which is, you know, weird and not impossible, obviously, there are what they call breakthrough infections, which is what they're calling what I have, so it's mild symptoms, I am a, I am vaccinated, but pretty much feels like I got a crappy head cold and um, but yeah, so I have to isolate away from my family down in the basement, which is where I usually record anyway, so it's not that weird for the podcast, but... Now you're you know, living in the podcast. It, yeah, it never stops. It's 24 so That's <laughs> That could have been like some like weird like Andy Warhol-style podcast. I could have just started rolling on Thursday when I got down here and not stopped. Until, <laughs> Stop. like, I mean, and just record myself sleeping and snoring and coughing and farting and all that. No. Um, I mean, I mean but... it starts Andy Warhol, ends Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not really such a good idea i don't think but maybe not um... <laughs> and now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the doctor who target book club podcast the only podcast to discuss in story order all the doctor who novelizations my name is tony whip and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on. I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. But speaking of madness... Oh, yeah. Are we going di- to dive right in that quickly? I, it was a good segue. I couldn't help it. It was a good it. segue. Because you... Because... <laughs> 
we're dealing with a movie that mm-hmm. pretty much takes place in an isolated facility of sorts. Uh, so it, it does. So yeah, uh, the movie we are going to talk about tonight is the 2010 Canadian science fiction horror film uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. written and directed by panos cosmatos and um yeah it's it's definitely something i think uh panos cosmatos has become a bit more of a calling him a household name certainly would be uh false but like a bit more of a name people are talking about (laughs) after his his follow-up film to this uh mandy which became very popular in the festival circuit and then um you know uh I, I, it came to my attention because of my rabid fandom of Nicolas Cage, but, <laughs> but uh, and Joe, he, uh, our third, or our other co-host. Yes, yeah. He he always talks about Mandy. He always, yeah, like, I think I, eventually someday I'll I'll, I'll try. It's going to be hard to get through this review without talking about Mandy a little bit, just because there are there are some very similar things here, uh, but. I'm going to try not to because I have a feeling that one will come up someday. So <laughs> It's funny because I was the one who introduced Joe to Beyond the Black Rainbow. Huh. Okay. And then you presented it as an episode. So it's a triangle, yeah, this, buddy. <laughs> this was actually one for me, uh, a Shelf of Shame movie that I had never seen before. I, I saw Mandy. I really enjoyed it. I decided, oh, this guy's only got one other movie. I should check it out because everyone there's a lot of buzz about Beyond the Black Rainbow as well. Yeah, and I bought it on Blu-ray, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll get that watch sometime." And boom, there it went on the shelf, 
and it just sat there. So that was kind of one of those that I'm like, ah, yeah, I got to put that on the list because that's the only way I'm going to get it out and get it seen. So. Oh, was this your first? Viewing? This was my first time. Oh, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I I had come to this as um, through Mandy. I mean, I saw Mandy, and then yeah. So. This is this is the number two for me. Um, yeah. Actually, I kind of it's want. It's not I, a bad movie, but it's like not a movie. I'm like immediately like I need to watch that again because that's a it's a feel good movie. Yeah. What uh, What's funny about it is it's certainly not a feel good movie. Uh, no, but what's funny about it is I actually when I got to the end of it, kind of felt like. I would like to see that again, but I'm like, you know, with everything going on right now, I don't know if I want to see it again immediately because exactly. I think I'm going to get more is. out of this the yeah. second time, but um, we'll maybe dig a little deeper into that as we go on. But like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's um, I was going to say, uh, let me get you a quick synopsis, even though it's, uh, you know, I, I got about as much uh, plot wise out of the synopsis as I do watching the whole movie because it's very... Well, we'll talk about that. That sounds like an insult. It's not really, but... It's a pretty straightforward um, narrative. Intentionally yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, held captive in a specialized medical facility, a young woman with unique abilities seeks a chance to escape her obsessed captor. Set in the strange and oppressive emotional landscape of the year 1983, Beyond the Black Rainbow is a Reagan-era fever dream inspired by hazy childhood memories of midnight movies and Saturday morning cartoons. Rainbow is the outlandish feature film debut of writer-director Panos Cosmatos, uh, featuring a hypnotic analog synthesizer score by Jeremy Schmidt of Shinola Caves and Black Mountain Rainbow is a film experience for the senses. And I think that's uh, that last line is certainly an apt description of this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so. it's, um, it, it, it definitely, it definitely has, like, watching it the second time around. The first time I'm watching it, like th- this was like four or five years ago that the first time I seen it, and uh, mind you, like five years after it actually came out, and just mm-hmm. like really into like oh wow yeah, watching it the second time around, I can definitely, especially since what I know about Mandy, is like this yeah. movie definitely feels like yep he he he's stretching out. Um, this feels like a really good. I don't want to say student short film. Uh, I don't. I well, I want to kind of say it, but I don't want to mean it as an insult in a way. But I, mm-hmm. the, I felt like this is a person who's trying to mainly kind of like, you know, as a creator, um, like recreate what they enjoy, what they like, what works, and try to create a narrative around that, um, as well as kind of add their own you know, style and um, flavor to it, which I think this movie definitely shows a good combination of what is influenced, like definitely heavily influenced, and probably get into that, of certain directors like uh, Kubrick or the music styles of Carpenter uh, Mm -hmm. in 80s, 70s in general, or 80s mainly, uh, but told through a more modern direction. I don't know. That's my first yeah and i think you picked up on like a lot of that like the thing that was super like fascinating is uh the director talking about like kind of his influence for this pretty much goes back to like the genesis of this you know 
podcast in a way. Like, because he says, and this is a quote from, I just grabbed this right off Wikipedia, but um, as a child, Cosmatos frequent, frequented a video store named The Video Attic. During those trips, he would browse the horror film section looking at boxes, although he was not allowed to watch such films. During these such times, he would instead imagine what the film was, and he would later reflect upon this experience when making Black Rainbow as one of his goals is to create a film that is the sort of imagining of this old film that didn't really exist, that he kind of pictured as a child. And, like, that's pretty much my story. I mean, yeah, like, I, I wasn't was allowed say to same. watch horror movies, and that's what I would do. Like, I would go to the – and I would just look at the artwork on the boxes and just imagine what these, you know, movies might be like. And in a lot of cases, I was probably imagining something totally different and oftentimes might have been a much better movie than than what, what it was they actually. really were. I, I did the exact same thing, actually. Like, you say in that line, like – yeah, that, that, like, strung the cord in my soul, and it gave me, like, that <laughs> chill down the spine. Because for yeah. me, in the long... Because where we grew up, the laundromat was also the video store, so every time we mm-hmm. just did laundry, I'm in that store for, like, an hour and a half. It, it felt like hours, like multiple hours when you're a kid. But yeah. I was terrified of horror movies. However, I would still be in there looking at their covers doing the same thing imagining what the story was it was like the only way that i could explore like horrifying content uh was not to watch it but to uh interpret it and guess and so maybe that's why today like a lot of people with some of the artwork that they've seen me do not that my artwork's like that outrageous but i have frequently throughout my like youth get the comment love you oh you must love horror movies you do a lot of like horror movie stuff i'm like nope I don't actually. I just this is this is that that's where the creative juices kind of started to flow out, and uh, hence my yeah. love. For but you movie certainly covers. have an in, whether or not you love the movies. I, I think the artwork certainly it's the artwork. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that this... presentation that that old video box style of yeah exactly it's... what you know Panos Cosmatos is talking about here. And so. it and it shows. I think that's what I love about this movie is that it, he really did do a good job of capturing that essence, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And like yep. down to the film quality. Like he actually did oh, shoot yeah. on like what a 35 millimeter is. He it? shot on 35, yeah. And and interestingly enough, another thing that I found interesting about his story is he's actually the son of uh filmmaker George Cosmatos, which yeah. I had heard I had heard his name and I was like, George, what is he he's directed some stuff i know and like he directed like rambo 2 and cobra but he directed freaking tombstone which we reviewed on the on the uh podcast and tombstone is the reason that this movie got financed is from the residuals and shit from that (laughs) so yeah so interesting interestingly enough but yeah to get back to you know really talking about the movie i think you're you're exactly right like he kind of nailed all of those if you can you know wander back to a place and and not to say Joe doesn't get it, but like Joe, Joe is the the older friend of mine. I always went to his house because I got to see those movies there, you know, watch the movies I wasn't allowed to or whatever. But um, I don't think he was ever told, you know, I, and he was, it's not true, but like, I don't think he was as often told, no, he couldn't see something. So I'm not sure he had to make up his imaginary versions of all of these things as often as, you know, I did. But, um, but when we got together to kind of like put your, the initial, like, seed of an idea of this podcast it just kind of like rings something about his story of how he came up with this idea just rings in the same vein so it ended up being a perfect movie because i was wondering if it was really appropriate when i picked it and i was like yeah let's do it and we'll see it's but it's it's um, it's the age of postmodernism i guess suppose like (laughs) we we create what was 
what we're influenced by, you know, and it's usually from, from culture. And we, as we grow older, we really, you know, I don't want to say idolize it. Some people do, but I like, we really appreciate it. At, like we really appreciate our, our nostalgia and especially yeah. how it was crafted. Like someone can probably go through like a lengthy breakdown on like, you know, capitalism, man. And that's fine. But there's certain elements of it. That's just aesthetically wonderful and just mm-hmm. warm and comforting. It's like having a box of mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. <laughs> like, yeah. um, just takes you back to that place. Like of safety and just wonder and imagination too. Like, I'm not yeah, going to, I think does it. <laughs> this is, you're exactly right about the postmodern thing. Because I think this is um, a, way or a great example beyond the black rainbow is a great example of postmodernism that works really well it's taken all of those familiar things it is so very much a product of those but yet it's also something all it's all its own it's it's very different from like it it doesn't play like an 80s movie but it looks like an 80s movie and it invokes those emotions at times um yeah it really the style is so much it's almost like he took like these things the, the use of color kind of um lens flare uh rack focus and sometimes just deliberately out of focus uh camera work um shot construction uh set construction and design and all that stuff right out of the right out of the 80s um but the things that are different is from an 80s movie it doesn't play at all like an 80s horror film uh it plays more almost like I want to say music video, but that means something different, I think, when you say that, uh, because it, it's only a music video to its own score. It's not like... Uh, <laughs> I, um, I kind of know what you yeah, mean. It's, it's a weird it's combination got... of things, actually. It's it's beyond just the 80s. It's, it's more than just an homage to 80s. It's a co- combination of a lot of of those kind of strings that strike that like imagination. Because like, when you said music video, there's that like element of... like. You get a short period uh, and maybe a suggestive narrative, but your mind is left to interpret and figure out everything else. That, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I really, I really grabbed onto that one. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that, <laughs> no, and I was, I mean, really just expressing that thought, and I kind of wanted to go into like two elements that I thought really like were distinct about this movie. Uh, there's a lot that's distinct about this movie, but uh, kind of that. 80s-esque vibe but also like the pace of this movie and uh like the visual style like we talked about the use of color the use of uh 35 millimeter film but like letting 35 millimeter go really grainy like kind of under lighting on purpose or using like these dark tones and reds and greens and stuff um yeah just to invoke that almost like film box um old you know we, we talked about it a lot ryan for those of you that don't know helped us out with designing some stuff for a, a magazine that uh, a friend of mine and myself are putting together but some of the same things we talked about when designing logos to look uh we to the logos you designed to kind of look like an old dime store um paperback like a pulp novel um, yeah yeah this has that that same kind of aesthetic only it's on yeah. film it's like, yeah 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 uh, like, it, it it kind of feels like one of those like um movies in in the video store that looks the art design the uh, is is way cooler than what you might think it actually is but it's that in movie form like going back to that mm-hmm. whole theme and like it does god damn like see i think what it is like so the movie takes place in 1983 uh yeah. which is the time 
that he first went to those video stores and he references mm-hmm. that. Mandy also takes place in 1983. So this might it, be... It sure does. <laughs> it might be a thing he might keep re-exploring. But it's... There is a lot of, like, similar... And, and you haven't seen it, so I won't, like, ruin a lot. But a lot of similar, like, um, style in yeah. Mandy. Like, yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting time because, like, I think a lot of people, when we think about 80s, 90s, when you think about a decade, you think about... I think the the quick go-to is like that everything that we think aesthetically about a decade is combined into what we say when we say uh, that decade. For example, like every everything you think of 80s existed from, from 1980 to 89, which that's not true. Like everything is like a weird hybrid. Like mm-hmm. everything kind of blends. Like you start getting these weird things. So like in around the middle of a decade, that's when the the identity of said decade aesthetically starts to come through. Whereas like because he chose eighty three, and in this movie specifically, you see like the seventies, like a more older seventies yeah. and sixties, like becoming the the more cold corporate 80s and you see that with with the movie as well with some of the styles like there's like elements of late 70s film well i think in 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 some of the set design like the um what is it niles house and his um office and stuff is still very 70s but it looks lived in so like it's 1983 you think of well everything was probably purchased and decorated in the 70s right now it's now it's you know, it's lived in and it's it's there and it's existing still in 1983. So that's um, super well, sorry, sorry. easy to remember. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of scenes in the house, but just the couple that are, it's like I remember like walking into people's houses that looked like that. Like that's um, and that would have been, of course, not in 1983 because I was born that year. So it had to have at least been three or four years after that at my very earliest where I can <gasps> remember. Another 1983 but, so. reference. Yeah. 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 He also makes. Maybe he also says that he makes the joke because it's like ah, it's the year before 1984, and he thinks it's funny. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I would too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we should. So we... yeah, we we talk quick a lot about like the look of the film, but I also think that the film has a very distinct like hypnotic pace, and the music oh, um, yeah. helps to build that. And like literally, I feel like it's paced so deliberately slowly that it just pulls you like into the tea. You kind of like ooze into this movie and yeah, it can be, I think a younger me might've found it. Well, I don't know. I think I was going to say younger me might've found it start to get a little boring in the first act, but um, I don't know. I'm really drawn in by, by stuff like this now. Like it just, it almost makes you kind of like, it's very, very quiet, but it's hypnotic and it's slow and it just kind of makes you kind of like pull yourself a little closer into the TV and uh, just kind of like start living in it. Um, I think it helps build up for the more like yeah, shocking things later on. Um, this is but... certainly something he's into uh, and hopefully that's not a spoiler for his subsequent film, but like starting something out slowly that kind of just builds to crescendo like that's, you know, um then he's gonna certainly the... want to ride yeah 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 i was gonna say like this movie is is quite slow like to the point that when even when the movie's trying to tell you that it's 1983 like he shows each number very <laughs> yeah slowly and it's like every that was the pace and like okay so it's a quick start 
Um, I will say second time watching this, first time watching it, didn't notice the pacing, funny enough, which mm. you think first time viewer you would. Second time viewing this, I was kind of, I don't want to say painfully aware of, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm well aware of the slow pace because I remember the end of the movie and the later half of the movie goes fairly quick, actually, which we're getting yep. into. Um, but yeah, this, this movie is a... Uh, slow build and that's it's not bad it's just it is it, it, it's that and you got to be okay with that it really yeah. makes you like soak in the setting i would say like the it does and and then it doesn't give you much as in like narrative points but it gives you i don't know what does it even give you it just gives you kind of an unsettling feel like you certainly feel the situation you may not know the details about the narrative details about, um, you know, why she and she being the main character, um, Elena. Elena, yeah. Uh, um, Elena and Barry. Barry being yep. the antagonist. Oh, I called him Niles. It's Barry Niles is his yeah, name. It's but, Barry yeah, Niles. Uh, Barry, yep. Um, yeah, so she is being held captive at, underneath the Arborea Institute, which is a... 1960s like spiritualist slash science you know advance human the, the human intellect age. your human yeah. understanding to the next level kind of thing so a, a new age crackpot scientist it's his institute uh he was going to break through barriers into the um you know next wave of the human mind uh his protege which is dr barry nile um was the essentially experimented on but he was the first one to kind of go through the process and came back you know a psychopath essentially uh killing killing elena's mother and um then has since held her captive under in a a hospital they despite it as a hospital underneath the institute but i'd say more like an asylum and i think that's how cosmatos described it in his idea for the film it was about being trapped in an asylum he could well he he had escape so he had two different movies like one being uh a girl trapped in an asylum and then an institution that really had no purpose. And he just combined the two and made this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Barry is like, we, 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 we're talk about his, uh, we should definitely talk about his, uh, his transformation scene, but for again, yes. like Barry, they don't reveal this stuff until like in the middle of the movie, which is when after that things start to pick up a lot quicker. And it's that whole scene's pretty slow, but it's like, like I said, we're getting into it. It's in a good way. But um, mm-hmm. but building up to Barry is like you just get this idea that he's just kind of a weird uh, doctor. He's just he's very unsettling. The way that very. just and the the performance is fantastic. But he's he's yeah. just gets under your skin. It's Michael Rogers played uh, Barry in this movie. Um, but he, I don't know what it is though. He reacts to people. He's it's like just he, so inhuman, almost like. Here's what I like, have down. He he think looks and like acts like an, to... he looks and acts like an evil Carl Sagan. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Which that seventies <laughs> to eighties style down. Yeah, he's got the turtleneck and everything. Like it's, um, 
Yeah, anyway, sorry. He looks like a guy that's, like, on the edge and is just about to lose it in any second, but manages not to. Like, it's just right behind his eyes. Like, he's just about to, you know, lose it in any way. Like, either have a temper explosion or he he seems, like, kind of sexually dangerous in a couple of Yeah, I was going to say. Places. Like, he's just too close and he's kind of biting his lip funny. And it's just all these really subtle things. But you know, he doesn't even have to say anything. You know this guy's a creep of some sort like he's there's something off and he does such a good job of just kind of subtly making you uncomfortable yeah there, uh, there's like one little thing that they mentioned like in the wikipedia because every time i watch something i go to wikipedia for some reason like just in case i miss <laughs> something but they described him as like a charismatic and attractive person before you find <laughs> out that he isn't and i'm like when when was there yeah, ever a time he that he weird. was charming and charismatic <laughs> no he was from the yeah maybe you know, pre going into the black ooze in that scene, but like, yeah, you don't Anytime see you... that. You see him right. as like extreme contrast, like literally black and white in, in yeah. pre black ooze transformation. So I don't know where they. <laughs> somebody, somebody's like, I don't know. He kind of reminds well, me of an algebra teacher. And crush he's on. being kind of a creep to his. Uh, I guess she's the head of security, whatever her. I oh yeah, what like her the head was, but nurse, um, like person. Like if Barb yeah. from Stranger Things survived, but she just grew up to be like a <laughs> terrible person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Margot was her name. Margot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can remember. I can even hear him saying it in character in my head now. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Polo. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he's kind of like just he's a, just a total creep to her. Like I feel like in that scene, like it's one of those where he it's. Any second in this scene, he could have just like strangled her to death, and you would have found it to be totally believable because he just—it seems like he's about to lash out at any second, um, which is good. I mean, I think that's exactly what the, that character's building to. It just is done very. Everything about this movie is done slowly and just kind of like pulls you into it. It's done in a. I like the word hypnotic. I'm going to keep using it. It's what they use to describe it, but I think it—that's exactly what it is. is it? And if that doesn't yes. work for you, then I don't think this movie is going to work for you at all. Like if that yeah. doesn't pull you in a little bit, this movie is a bad acid trip. Like yeah. literally, in so oh, many ways, oh, yeah. this movie is a bad acid trip. Um, yep. I mean, uh, so why we're on Barry? Should we should talk about Alina? Actually, our main character, who mm-hmm. literally doesn't really talk. Like she she no, has some lines. lines but telepathically but other than that she is just a silent protagonist yep um very much believable that she just grew up there yeah she basically has grown up in a bare walled room uh knowing only a couple of people that being barry and Margot, you know um and probably a couple of other guards or orderlies whatever they call those oh the (laughs) the sensationots yeah, sensation nuts. That's right. Yeah, I love um, those, but I wish there was more of those <laughs> in this movie. Uh, yeah, I could have used a little more of those too, but that, I mean, what we did get was cool. Um, yeah, that's the problem. Is like what you get is very cool, and you want more. That's a. I mean, that's a good problem, but um, but yeah, yeah Elena. She not only has grown up in isolation, but obviously um, is a person of spe- has special abilities. Yeah. Where she, you know, I guess I assume she's come to to have these through being born through some of, you know, Arborea's treatments or whatever yeah. uh, experimentation. But anyway, she has very strong telekinetic powers to the point where she can, you know, kill with them. Or she crushes uh, Relatively them. simply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know why, you know, people aren't a little more... I'm not sure how she hasn't escaped before, honestly. Oh, but again, um, like the prism. Oh, right, right. So he uses a prism that's in the... A mysterious prism, as far as I can remember, getting no real explanation for, but to control her psychic ability. So, yeah, if she gets out of control, he just, you know, turns on the... Cranks it to 11. The synthwave prism, and it makes yeah. lights and synthesizer music, and she... I... Um, so for the for those prism scenes, like they always kind of like cut to what looks like a room. I always mm-hmm. like I always love the visual of the prism. So the way I interpreted this, and I don't know if you felt the same way. Like uh, I don't know if I did this my first viewing, but my second viewing, I definitely did this. But I was starting to think that maybe the prism itself that they were showing, which is in this dark reflective room. But it itself is like glowing, and sometimes they would have like mm-hmm. smoke pour from the top. It, I always wondered like, is that not real? Like the device, like everything that happens around the room is just it happens, but not because of this device per se. But that's how she feels its presence. Like maybe this is a visual interpretation of what this um, mm-hmm. uh, restricting force is doing like i'm like what if, what if this thing isn't actually real what if what if it's just i mean it held no space in the narrative like no one was ever right. in the room and they never like went and looked at it or exactly. there was never any like yeah so i mean that's i think that's as valid of a reading as anything like you have no proof within the narrative of this film that it is real like and and it's um, very symbolic of barry's control like he sometimes he just cranked it he cranked it mm-hmm. when he didn't need to, or when he lowered it purposely just so she would kill. Like he he arranged for the murder of Margot mm-hmm. because well, because she... Margot was spying on you know got into some stuff and saw his treatment notebooks and found out that he had some you know an unhealthy obsession with her. So yeah, he's he's definitely uh, definitely not a good dude. No, <laughs> yeah, there's from. definitely. Uh... Not only is there, like, uh, in this notebook she's reading, like, uh, things that kind of hint at, like, the history of her kept, you know, her birth or captivity, uh, some of the things she's capable of, but also there's, you know, sexually explicit drawings and things that, like, bear, that are certainly inappropriate. <laughs> like, things that for, he uh, plans to do to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it definitely, the scene, the way that they shoot that scene, like, they do it in a lot of weird flashes of imagery and words and such, uh, and the way that the music... Uh, works because it's mute the soundtrack is amazing for this movie yeah um yeah we, really i think i mentioned it yeah i was just going to quickly mention again i think i did um earlier but was done by um uh, jeremy schmidt who is the uh keyboard player for a rock band um psychedelic rock band called black mountain uh, oh Canadian yeah, yeah band um which i've heard some of their music they're a good band but this is certainly a more of a synthwave kind of sound than yeah they have but yeah like where some of the visual elements i think are like a little bit like later sci-fi set like sci-fi movies from the 70s the music is definitely like sci-fi horror elements of the 80s like hardcore in a good way it's like it's taken the best of things he created it on uh all analog uh vintage synthesizer equipment so yeah it comes straight out of yeah and it does a good job of like with each scene really like um i think the music is is a good half the battle in this movie it just works so well with what's going on i was gonna say half of it's the visuals in the color coordination and the other half is the is is the music like it's what 
really there's a reason that this this movie has a thin narrative uh, or sorry, I don't want to say thin, but a, a straightforward it's, narrative. It's pretty straightforward. There's yeah. a situation. That's what it is. I mean, it's yeah. like there's four characters. Here's their relationships. Go. There's like nothing too complex about it. I think the, the the craziest thing they throw in that's kind of out of left field is the censure yeah, knots or whatever you call that we call them. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the 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 most complex piece of the puzzle because i'm not sure exactly where they come from or whatever but um doesn't matter it's it's great it's certainly a a i don't know if sensual is the right word that means something different but a scent yeah movie for your senses more than uh for your brain but <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it's a good way to kind of explore when uh you know first time being a movie maker this is what you kind of want to do and you know you're being financed by tombstone dvd sales yeah oh <laughs> uh, why why the fuck not um but yeah like i was gonna i should probably i'm just gonna end that one scene the one scene with Margot, like the music real and the flash and imagery really depict like and her reaction just like whatever that was was gut-wrenchingly horrific in terms of mm-hmm. like in a bad way and then like you know later on as now like we get introduced to the Centronauts and so on, and uh, then we finally get to meet. This is like in the middle of the movie. We finally get to meet her father, uh, the founder, um, Arboreus, or is it? Yeah. Or I think it's our Aboria. 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 Yeah. Is it Doctor um, Aboria? Yeah. And he is just kind of either he's senile or he's just burned out on his he's LSD. Burned out on the drugs. Yeah. And like but Barry. Both. Yeah, I think yeah, senile and. But Barry is just like, ugh, like doesn't want to take care of this, pretty much out of it, dude. And well, he looks like he's been doing like the bare of minimum of keep, yeah, keeping him alive essentially. And at this point, he decides obviously he has no further use for him. Um, like he's done. Yeah. He's he's finally like about to meet his crescendo, as you put it. Um, yeah, and then ends it. But that's when we get the flashback. Yeah, so it, it dives into, we're talking about all the color and all like the, you know, film film grain and the, um, you know, reds and greens and pinks and all the like the bright colors and it's a lot, looking. Yeah. Um, black and uh, red Then we go straight and... to like black and white. Yeah. But way oversaturated or uh, blown out, like way contrasted. Um, Hard to look at in, in a yeah. way. But you can't yeah, look away point. as well. Yeah. Yeah, to the point of like distorting um, the images. And it just tells us the story through like bad trip visuals, essentially, of what happened to Barry when he oh went into God. the, you know, got his treatment or whatever. When he, once he emerges into the black goo and he starts having his trip into essentially the way that they kind of vaguely say it is like he he said that like what that he looked in like god looked into him and looked through him and kind of rejected mm-hmm. him um like so the themes here in this movie a lot are about identity and more specifically repression of identity and then that submersion into this black goo triggers one of my fucking favorite fucking scenes uh with a with with essentially is i think is like just two props of like they're a mold of uh the actor's head uh mm-hmm. in two different forms one a little 
bit more skeletal than the other, but they have these holes in them and they're underlit. And then they're given like different, like the goo pouring out of the pores of the eyes and the mouth and the little holes in the face. Like it's in the colors. Cause you just went for this like blurry blown out black and white to this clear, smoky, colorful, uh, it's, it, it's fucking great. <laughs> I love it so much. I don't know. Yeah, what, these, what are your thoughts? Well, the visuals, like that high contrast, like black and white stuff. Cosmato says he was, it was, the segment was influenced by the movie Begotten, which if you've seen or even seen stills of anything from that film, it's very obviously influenced by it. It's got like the same like look and feel. And even that, even that kind of unsettling, I don't know what it is about it. I've seen Begotten once, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's just one of those one time is plenty, uh, and one time would be way too much for you. I think uh, it would not be up your alley at all. But um, no, I don't. I, I have no <laughs> urge to see it. <laughs> but but visually, it, it, it's something about it that's the most unsettling is something about the way it looks. It's just very like uh, gets under your skin, and he emulates that, and not in kind of like a kind of I copycatted way, but he emulates that feeling with this scene, and it's just horrific like and i don't know what i can't even put my finger on exactly what it is that's so but it's all in your it's all in like the visual style of it um i don't know if you were to see this like not in that high contrast like black and white i'm not sure it would be you know anywhere near the kind of effect that it would have so it's got this uh very cool like yeah almost like a bad trip um but yeah even without reading the the whole like that he he it's like an evil lava lamp with your skull. Yeah, kind I of. would say. <laughs> um, yeah, it invokes the same kind of style as, as Begotten, and I, and I um, caught onto that well before I read the Wikipedia page with him, you know, saying that. But well, I think what's so jarring is in like this experience happens. He emerges, loses his mind, kills Alina's uh, mother. Mm-hmm. Elena, Elena's mother. Sorry, Elena's oh. mother. Yeah. Uh, by biting her neck, and the blood almost looked like white for a moment. It had like a Sin City feel. Um, I might must uh-huh. saw something, but then right after we have that horrific fucking scene, Doctor What's His Face is just like, huh? Let me dip my baby in this. Yeah. Yep. And then that's how Elena like pretty much probably got her powers. And then like right away. And then they now they cut back to Barry looking at like drugs to pretty much put this old man out of everyone's misery. And you're just like it's one of those few moments where like like minus the fact that they did the 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 final death shot in the toe, which I did not fucking realize was a thing that bothered me until I saw that. I'm like, nope, that bothers <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, same here, kind of actually. It was like, yeah, that's uh, gross. And I know that that's a like, thing. But I mean, it was a sign yeah. of like because his 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 veins and his arms are fucking blown out. Blown out. Yep. But um, it's one of those few moments where Barry does something, and you're just like, I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah. Like this dude is actually like the cause of all of this because Barry was probably arguably a f- okay person. Like he probably he had that dark element of him but he was going to be fine. But once he was submerged into essentially looking into eternity and, or God mm-hmm. or whatever he was, he, yeah. it, 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 either it, it, I think it gave residence to this, um, uh, horrific nature within him and like gave, gave, gave it more, uh, power. 
over time. And it, it actually deforms him too. Yeah. As we find yeah, out. Yeah. Um, messes his eyes are like mostly um iris like big black eyes and he's got no yeah. hair uh he wears a wig and contact lenses oh, and yeah. when he takes off the wig like extremely uh yeah and the goo like just yep. peels as two bald men are we getting sick of bald men being labeled as the most evil fucking thing <laughs> does not help the fucking yeah, self-esteem I mean, that's, yeah that's kind of true it's like either you're evil or you're Vin Diesel. I'm like, cool, I'm either a bad guy or I'm an annoying meme. So, <laughs> Or you're Professor X. It's a, oh, yeah, but so. then you die. A bald guy. You always, yeah. Professor X always fucking dies in every fucking <laughs> media he's in. Um, but that's a good that's a good connection. Good job. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah and... So yeah, this thing explode kind of explodes after it comes back from the flashback. Um, this is when you know we get the escape for Elena, and the second half of the film is certainly um, more of a. I wouldn't even say it becomes a horror film, but it certainly is more in that vein. Like all of a sudden, you'll see that influence. Like in the earlier parts, I yeah, it's 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 hard to put your finger on what exactly you're watching. I think you have to complete this thing before you finally, your brain finally goes, Oh, and like, okay. Then you decide whether you liked it or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. But well, you get it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Of I was going to say, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. The second half of it just kind of, I think in a lot of ways it becomes, um, it becomes more terrifying, but it becomes like kind of this escape out of madness and Elena kind of climbing her way back out of this rabbit hole. And, uh, kind of for a few minutes there, it turns into like kind of the most bizarre slasher movie I've ever seen because yeah. Barry becomes that character. You know, he becomes this kind of monstrously mutated, you know, um, wielding this kind of sacrificial knife and, uh, the devil's tear, I think he calls yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. And he's cer- certainly, the, te- the um, devil's tear drop. My, my apologies. Cosmatos is taking influence from slasher films of the 80s uh, when we get to that, you know, knife-wielding madman chasing girls through. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. But, like, prior to that, what I was going to say is, like, so Alina's uh, escape from madness in terms of the facility, you definitely... um, So I want to say, like, the set in the facility itself is a a character of its own. Like, we don't get a lot of characters in this movie. Um, No. Like, of course, why wouldn't we? But but it is the maze, it is the playground in which, you know, Barry Niles, for the most part, has all the control. And you see that with how the... It's very Kubrick, uh, Space Odyssey. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, It's very geometric, angled... Um, for the most part, a lot of things are centered, uh, and, and it's like, it represents that control, but also like with the color schemes as well, I was noticing that Barry typically is shot in black and red. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of black and red, like there's a lot of darkness in the room with a lot of red light for him. Whereas Alina for the most part is white and kind of a cyan color. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and even the doctor, uh, her father, when you have his scenes, that's where the kind of like the greenish, tealish kind of comes in, like the idea. Yeah, like, I almost yeah. feel like it's like kind of putridy green. Yeah, but like, it's yeah. it's dark. It's dark and green. Mm-hmm. So it's not white and green. It's dark and green. So it's like yeah, this is like 
this is me noticing like the second time through. Uh, yeah, so now she I can... definitely gets like the angel treatment with the the way they light and yeah around Elena um, for sure. And elements of like when she does that because she's not perfect. She does do some. She does murder somebody. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But when she's escaping the facility, the 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 color for her goes a little bit more to uh, red, orangish, and white. So it's now now she's in this like um hmm. domain of like getting out of Barry's control and then there's that brief moment she ends in that f- up in that fucking little tunnel uh yeah. with the weird experiment dude like this is where the facility itself starts to start to reveal it's it, it has a lot of like weird shit in it like you get to see what's yeah. inside of the uh sensation knots or whatever they're called um but then you get like this weird fucking like z- Honestly, he 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 looks like a perverted zombie because he has blood around the genitals as well, and he's just trying to lick. So it's just like if a zombie was a sexual predator, essentially, mm-hmm. like amped up, like it's so. Oh my god! And then when she hits the fucking the glass to shut it, and you don't even know if it shuts, and it just pops up and starts licking the window. It's just like yeah. that unnerved me so much. Yeah, oh, I mean the whole kind of flight from her cell, like all the way through, you know the um centronauts when she finally dispatches that one or takes the the faceplate off of it and it's no no it it takes it off it doesn't it doesn't like stop her it just shows her what it is oh that's right that's right it doesn't do any it doesn't do anything to harm her minus that one one scene where they put the tracking device in her because they were told to but it's Mm -hmm. like it's like a weird it goes through that parallel again of like the reject it's kind of like the rejected experiments right like yeah um, well, it's kind of like a like she's kind of working her way through like a house of horrors or like a yeah. maze labyrinth of like and everything's a little different like and it's uh, all reflective there's one, there's one too, like so. corridor that's kind of like gar- like a garden area and then I like when she emerges from all this stuff at the end you, you mentioned like the kind of zombie esque uh, experiment room um, there's like kind of um, your average access tunnels with pipes and wires and everything then there's like a, a jungle room of some sort that's got you know plants and gardeny stuff and there's yeah like um, some kind of like biodome garden situation <laughs> yeah and then she emerges uh into like the quote-unquote you know real world comes up from below and emerges into like this really typical really 80s looking like break room <laughs> oh my god the fucking break room it's just like they yeah there's the like a fridge and, and some like yeah it's they're playing like some canned like muzak with a k you know like uh yep. elevator music and uh and it's like on a crackled fucking speaker and everything <laughs> uh-huh and like and that's one... her like break out into the real like you know out of her hell or whatever you know yeah um and she starts to see organic things after that like she starts that's when she starts to see the plant life in the dome and then she gets out of the dome and then she starts to see like this marsh like she's stepping in like Mm -hmm. wet mud and she's happy like it's a new sensation i imagine like it's like to actually be outside in the free cold air like it's like it's nothing great but to somebody where they were like it's it's heaven in a weird way not to get too so traumatic with it but yeah right but yeah no i think there is i i and i wouldn't be surprised just knowing this filmmaker like the level of thought i think that's gone into like pretty much every frame of the film 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if all of the different kind of stages, if there's not some like allegory to something like Dante's Inferno or Purgatorio, like climbing up out of you yeah, know, the circles yeah. of hell kind of, cause that just, it, the way everything's like a different kind of challenge. It just seems like there's, I, I would be shocked if that wasn't something that crossed their minds at least, you know? So. Well, like even like the, the quote unquote demons that she came across, the rejected experiments, like what mm-hmm. you got those two extremes, you got one that like, it becomes a robot like you have like what it would be the what the the super ego and the id and by example like it's like it's so up there that it's just it's just an android it's not even a living thing it is without emotion um mm-hmm. and it's just like it's such a creepy design too like the baby face the the albino baby face inside of it yeah uh, for such a tall fucking android whatever and then you got the other one with a fucking sexual predator zombie which is like the most like cart like carnival carnal depraved fucking it's just ugh. <laughs> i fucking it still like unnerves me whoever they yeah. got to who has a tum that fucking big like good job dude because you freaked me the fuck out um <laughs> you're up there with the toe if you if they combine that with the toe I'm done. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh. Yeah. And it's just like yeah, escape from hell. I think what you just said, like the whole idea of Dante's Inferno. I I, I like that parallel actually. Um, yeah. And just there's something like labyrinthesque or, or like you know just just yeah. having to kind of climb out of the night. Yeah. I don't know the circles of hell thing. Sure. Seemed it seemed like that resonated, but. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting. Uh, watch it (laughs) ends quick it ends quick yeah oh yeah i guess let's like the the last stage of the film is like i I mistakenly because i left out like a bunch of my favorite imagery uh so thanks for calling me back but um (laughs) the last part of the film is definitely where it becomes you know kind of more of a slasher type you know just for a few minutes uh where barry now is going to chase uh elena through through the woods and the swamp and the um wielding his knife they come uh, across a couple of uh i don't know like losers doing doing drugs out in the woods (laughs) just some and uh uh, was it called were they called heshers or whatever heshers yeah yeah yeah. when dude's just Uh, trying to talk about like his like just some big dude just trying to talk about him trying to like get together with this one girl and his like skinny shirtless friend getting drunk going like i don't fucking care just belts and i think he calls him an obscene name and then walks out and takes a piss yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like even the even the dude's just like what the fuck is this problem and it's like, it doesn't matter you're both gonna die but yeah but uh um, yeah so yeah barry offs them um, pretty quickly um has a scene with one of the guys that it where he um demonstrates like rage like sexual jealousy um yeah he kept insisting that insisting that yeah that they had that they had fucked elena like some yeah and he's like no i did it and then just like shoved they, his they blade hadn't even into seen man's mouth. <laughs> yeah so yeah it's uh, kind of in a weird way kind of phallic i suppose like based on the situation this poor fucking dude all i could think about this poor yeah. fucking dude he, he had no <laughs> was right. he yeah, at least the other guy was a total asshole, and he didn't feel bad. But right, this guy, I'm like, oh man. But they, but then he, then then Elena shows up. Yep. So she find they finally catch up with each other. Um, Barry catches up with her, vice versa, whatever. And um, 
Yeah, it's the the conflict is ended rather quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I found surprising. Uh, actually, I thought there was going to be like a little battle of the wills kind of thing almost. Uh, and nope, she just like, what, what? Technically, she knocks him off of his feet and he smacks his head on a rock. Well, he yeah, he holds she, like, she holds him still. Like it's like, yeah, like that parallel. That's right. Of him like having control over her. What now that she's out? She's like it's like no issue at all she just hold he's like wants to run towards her and keeps saying let's beat her whatever he goes and she's just holding his feet still with her mind and then like kind of like lets him tip over and hit a rock it yep. happens like within like 30 seconds all of it and she's like yeah. okay and <laughs> off to freedom she uh comes across a line of like very suburban looking homes that all have tvs glowing out of the window yep. uh and you hear the tv Yep, and then that's so, it. Well, there is actually in time. Did you see the the end credits? Oh, I was gonna say at the very end of the credits, the last thing that that, that shows is a quote from Buckaroo Banzai. So, oh, there's did that. You, did you hang around that long? I <laughs> hang around to the very very end where they showed the 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 scene at the end where it's they have uh the like they have Ooh. one of the sensation knots. But it's oh, like a toy yeah, okay. laying on a carpet. Yep. And it's making like that You're weird. Right. We didn't mention this. Wow, but... I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I missed I the Buckaroo Banzai one, actually. So it's just like the quote. It just says uh, the last thing in the credits after everything else goes by, it just is the quote in quotes. It says, wherever you are, or. Oh, God. Wherever you the go, quote, there you are. There, yeah, wherever you go, there you are. Buckaroo um, Banzai. And then it, <laughs> it's shows, like, cool. then it shows a little fucking action figure uh yeah i do remember yep and what but they which do, is like, very like when you know when you find out about kind of the the filmmaker's influence of being a child and kind of making up these stories yeah it's just like a symbolism of like hey this is what is going on like this is my my horror movie i made up when i was six staring at all those cool Ex- right. video store boxes you know like he played it all out with his little toys and uh, in the end <laughs> um it kind of has that suggestion to it uh yep yeah. But they had like that one voice, the voice of God, as I call it, like Barry, we didn't mention it, but earlier in the movie, around the time that Barry starts to snap, like, it's like, I think it's when Margo discovered the fucked up notebook is that he gets uh-huh. a call on the phone and the voice was interesting because it was just like weird, like distorted dial tones, mm-hmm. but talking and he like the actor does a good job just going, uh-huh. Yeah. Like responding. And like, he's like, like he's getting ripped, like ripped a new one from a manager and then he yep. hangs up the phone, and you find out the phone was never connected because, of course, it wasn't. But they gave the same voice to this fucking little doll thing. <laughs> and I'm All like, right. yeah, that's the voice I want to end it on. Cool. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's... Well, a little action figure is, is God in this movie. It's it's the, the creative spark that created... Yeah, yeah. I like that one. I like, like, but, that's uh... that's the whole tie to all everything. Is It's like, yeah, you enjoy this fucked up movie? I made it when I was 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my imagination when I was a kid. Like, yeah, that's um, crazy, but... Okay, um, well, that was Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an experience. It is uh, one I would definitely recommend you see, but maybe not see the first night you're in isolation with COVID, like I oh, did. Oh yeah, because yeah. that was a weird movie to pick. Um, definitely don't do it. <laughs> I probably could have waited a couple more influence. days, like because uh, it was that was it was a bit of a rough watch for me, honestly, that evening. So oh, I bet it uh, was. Like, 
just being in, like... Once it got over, I was just kind of sitting there like, yeah, I could have picked a better night for that one, but hey, I enjoy it. I mean, the way that (laughs) things go. Um, Yeah, yeah, definitely don't watch this under any influence, I would say. I I feel like people probably rush to do that sort of thing, and I'm like, that'd be a good way to, like, have a bad night, maybe, but... You will, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you gotta give this thing a grade, what what do you think if you... (sighs) You know... It's tough because it's like it's one of those situations where I kind of want to give it two different grades, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, because um, visually it's 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 a beautiful movie. I think it's very beautiful, and um, like I said, I haven't seen Mandy, but I have seen a lot of things with Mandy, and it's just like okay, with Mandy, he really fine tuned what he did in this movie and brought it forward. Like he's figuring out his stride. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume like you would probably have better say on that than I would. Um, I kind of want to... No, that's an accurate assessment. And if you enjoy the style of this, I, uh, I would recommend you see the other one too at some point, which I know you said you... I, yeah, I, I I definitely intend to. It's one of those things where, because I'm aware of the hyper violence that he goes through with these, it's like, it's hard for me to build up to, but I'm intrigued to, to watch it. I know I'm going to enjoy it for the most part. Um, but, uh, it's like this movie can't really escape the bees, for me necessarily like i want to give it more because i think i'm very fond of the idea very fond of the concept very mm-hmm. fond of the visuals and the color the use of colors i fucking love the fucking barry uh trip into hell scene like the whole psychedelic scene with him with the model and the way that those visuals were done um, the music is fucking phenomenal. There's just so many mm-hmm. good things about this movie. Like go, like now looking back at it, but I have to admit, like seeing this a second time, like there are there are certain things that kind of stuck out. Like the pacing in the beginning is like, yep, yeah, this does kind of get a little drab in bits. But good news is at least there's like good visuals because you don't always get the soundtrack with those things, but you get the cool visuals. True. Um. And, like, I think there's a lot of cool things that could have been explored, uh, I think, maybe a little bit more, but I won't fault it. You know what? I, I'll i give this an A-. I think, it, I, I think, now that I said it, I think it does break the bees a little bit. There's a lot of love that was put into this movie. Uh, and it's going to, I think it's going to spawn a lot of good things. I give it an A-. minus. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I'm not sure I'm going to be quite as nice but bumping it up i think it's going to stay in the bees for me but i do really appreciate it like it is a cool film to look at and uh i'm not sure you'd ever because of like kind of the the conceptual nature of the visuals if you ever use it as background art but like it is just a cool thing to look at like if you could just turn it on over you know having a party put it on in the background i mean not really because there's some (laughs) but uh people probably be like what the fuck is wrong with this guy but um, (laughs) but yeah it's it's just so great to look at it works so well with like the musical score and um the story is kind of i think this is where it loses a couple of points yeah honestly it was a lot like his his subsequent film for me so the first time through um beyond the black rainbow I've only been through it once, but I felt the same way about Manny the first time I watched it. Most of the time I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what is going on in this movie? But it, by, the thing is, is it works. Because by the end, I was like, oh, okay, I do get everything that happened. I just wasn't like, it wasn't, it doesn't all hit you at once. Like, the exposition is not dumped on you at any given, 
you know, point. So yeah. put all the pieces together. And by the end of the movie, I really decided, like, yes, I really enjoyed that. I subsequently, another thing that probably wasn't the best idea in isolation, I went back and watched Mandy again after watching this. <laughs> and man, does that play, like, so much better the second time. Like, I really liked it. So I'm kind of okay. excited to watch this again because okay. I think now I'm, you know, maybe it's an expectations thing or something, but now I'm ready like yeah. <laughs> you know ready to get in I'm uh, in on what's going on so um that being said uh it's this is like a visual accomplishment it's got so much cool like visual like I feel like a movie like this had something to do with like the re the birth of like the synthwave music movement in a way it's just like because everything <laughs> in that like new kind of like genre of electronic music looks and feels like this movie yeah. <laughs> like, it's um, very much so. like part of like maybe not directly it, it feels like it's part of that like when that new synth the like the vapor wave for which i know mm-hmm. that vapor wave is a much is a broad term for like a much complicated aesthetic thing for 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 millennials um but it's 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 part of that that whole like exploring uh, visuals and audio nostalgia n- nostalgia and like the cool kind of like worlds that i think yeah. as kids we explored and this it's a weird it's weird to think of this movie and go like this reminds me of my childhood because that's probably not a good sign <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but it does but, in a way like the aesthetics of your childhood are here like, it's like when it's you explored the darkness of things like the beauty in darkness if that makes sense the beauty of yeah. uh dare I say horror being a person who's not a horror fan I appreciate but, the beauty and but yeah the, of the it. aesthetics for yeah, yeah. certainly it um, has its place they all have their place generally with movies I do like a little bit more narrative than this yeah um, I could have yeah. used a few more breadcrumbs and the things like the visuals and it just like were fascinating to me I wanted to know more and there's just it's just not there right I guess like, that you like know that's, creepy that's robo babies. food for your imagination you know and i guess that that's probably what they were going for but i don't know this thing's a treat for your eyes and ears i really think this is one if you are a film fan at least experience it once it may not be your cup of tea but it's it's a very fantastically made and and, and i feel like like i think i you said earlier but like every frame of this movie is thought out like it's constructed the look and the the, the colors and the film grain and like everything down to the way it just like moves shot to shot is very very well thought out like it's it's very deliberate and i i I respect work like that because my brain doesn't do that you know so it's (laughs) um yeah so i i think i'm going to give this one just a solid b i liked it a lot i appreciate the hell out of it um is it a like i'm going to go back to this movie every you know once a year every year probably not but it's certainly something i'm actually kind of jazzed to see it a second time i hope it opens up like mandy did for me but um yeah it might might be yeah. just like a nice, ca- weird way of saying so, just a casual thing to play, you know? Yeah, I reserve the right to change my mind. Maybe it'll be an A eventually. <laughs> but like, Maybe if you're not in quarantine. So, yeah, uh, that, that would help too. <laughs> it is a little bit of a bleak movie for, for that situation. But yes. Anyway. Um, if anyone out there listening has, a, has seen Beyond the Black Rainbow and uh, 
has any thoughts about it, want to share with us, uh, please uh, feel free to send us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com or you can get into the conversation on the Facebook group. Um, you can also find us on various other social media forums such as Twitter at videojunkpod. But yeah, get, get in touch. Let us know what you think of the movie. Um, any thoughts? This one, there's a lot to unpack so I'm sure we didn't get to anything. Literally, like, every moment of this probably has some kind of, like, hidden meaning. Uh, most of them coming straight out of the 80s pop culture so and not in a stranger thing sort of way it's a little deeper than that so i even got to dig into it's like joe's not even gone i even i even cut down on stranger things while it's so (laughs) (laughs) and coming up on the podcast uh we are going to uh hand off the reins to uh ryan and david next week ryan do you want to tell us what you have coming up next time um yeah uh so the plan is that david and i are actually gonna watch uh and review the super mario brothers movie uh but not just any version we're actually gonna tackle the recent uh edit the alternative edit that's been going around so now is that it's it's a early work print of the film is that what i have no idea this is actually david's venture david actually suggested it and like i'm kind of makes you wonder what do i ever really do anymore and i'm like enjoy yeah. my time that's what i do <laughs> um well, i'm looking looking forward to hearing it i'm gonna be out same. of town joe's out of town so we're we're handing the keys over to to the tv junkyard crew to oh, yeah the house to is gonna carry be us a mess, through but you guys won't yeah. know because we're gonna have it cleaned right in the nick of time <laughs> that's right like old get all the beer stains out of yeah, yeah. <laughs> the risky business stains <laughs> 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 There's so many stains. Week after that, Ryan and I are. Uh, do we ever figure out how to say this for sure? The, the uh, I'm not going to attempt it. Russian until we get it horror right. film. <laughs> I believe it's called Vi. Vi, possibly. It's we don't speak So we'll figure it out. Um, going to check that one out, and then Joe will return to us uh, the week after that, and we will be uh, checking out the Frank Herrenlotter um, cult classic Frankenhooker. So that'll be the third uh, Herrenlotter film we've done. Uh, just in recent months but hey it's uh gonna the other two were a lot of fun so i assume this one's going to be yeah so anyway thanks for listening everyone and i hope you'll tune in next week to join ryan and david for super mario brothers um until then i am eric gobranson and i'm ryan seiskel hello man how are you feeling you look tired today have you had uh, any headaches You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>